Hello, this is Do Go On. I'm Matt Stewart. And I'm Taran Jayamana. And uh, we're in Sydney. And uh, we're about to be in Brisbane. And we're doing live shows. They're called Dry Dryer. And also, who knew with Matt Stewart in both those cities? And you can get details at mattstewartcomedy.com. Anything else you want to tell the good listeners that do go on, Saran? Well, the whole point of this was you thought that it might be more engaging if you had a different voice. But you've said most of the information. So, hey, come see us in Sydney and Brisbane. Yeah, that was engaging. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. This podcast is brought to you by Squarespace, the all-in-one website platform for entrepreneurs to stand out and succeed online. Whether it's your first ever website or your business is expanding, Squarespace makes it easy to create a beautiful website and engage with your audience. Upload video content, organize your video library and showcase your content on beautiful video pages. You can even sell access to your video library by adding a paywall to your content. Cha-ching. <laughs> you can help with written content on your website with Squarespace AI, which I used to write this next sentence, so check this out. Generate instant, personalised results that know and show your brand identity. Explain what your site is about, choose your tone, and enter what you need to get short or long-form text. Squarespace AI, Squarespace AI makes it easier to go live, stand out, and succeed online. Oh, Dave, if only it could also not just write it, but read it too. <laughs> And edit it. (laughs) Hey, sell exclusive content on your site by adding a paywall to sell memberships or courses. Or sell files your customers can download like PDFs, music or ebooks. Man, it's starting to sound like I'm obsessed with money. (laughs) (laughs) And you are. So head to squarespace.com slash do go on for a free trial and to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. This podcast is part of the Planet Broadcasting Network. Visit planetbroadcasting.com for more podcasts from our great mates. Hello and welcome to another episode of Do Go On. My name is Dave Warnicky and as always I'm here with Matt Stewart and Jess Perkins. Hello Dave, hello Jess. Hello what a Matt, to hello be Dave, here. what a pleasure to be here. Making your acquaintance today. Oh, Matt, we've known each other for years. <laughs> oh, Am I using that phrase wrong? I think so, but I could be wrong. It's a pleasure to reacquaint with you. How no, about that? Matt, I talked to you two days ago. Oh, yeah. I thought <laughs> you looked familiar. <laughs> oh. How's everyone going? Now, Jess and Dave, you're both 30. You've turned 30 since the... Well, Jess, you turned 30 as the last week's episode came out. Dave, you've turned 30 since. How does it feel? I feel old. You yeah, feel old? You, you look like shit. Yeah. yeah. I've really taken a... A downward step here. So when I was a kid, and, and I probably told this at some stage, but when I was very small, I used to wake up on my birthday and look at my feet because I thought <laughs> I would have grown, right? Because I was like, well, a, a five-year-old is bigger than a four-year-old, obviously. obviously. I didn't understand how gradual growth <laughs> was. And I feel like, Dave, you've kind of 
you've done exactly that. You know, you've gone from 29, gorgeous, young, fit, healthy, you know, probably looking the best you've ever looked. Damn right. And now 30, my God, you do not look well. Oh, I look down at my feet and they look like shit. Yeah, they're like wrinkly oh my and grey. They've changed. I had a look at the painting in your attic though, Dave. It is looking hot. <laughs> oh, thank hot. you. Thank you. Don't tell anyone about that. I don't want to get stabbed. <laughs> hey, Dave, as it is your birthday week, how about you do the honours? Now as a 30-year-old, I think you're finally ready to take the reins and explain how this show works. Thank you for your trust. Here we go. Well, if you haven't heard the show before or you need a little refresher, what we do here is we take it in turns to report on a topic often suggested by a listener and whoever's uh, designated to be the report giver, they go away, do a bit of research, they bring back that research and present it to the other two who have no idea what they're about to talk about and to get on the topic... We start with a question and, Jess, it's your turn to ask a question. And now you're 30, have you remembered to actually write one? No. <laughs> I was just, as you were talking, I was like, oh, no. <laughs> I was looking at my report and I thought, I knew I forgot something. Oh. I, you know, I was putting the finishing touches on this report like an hour and a half ago and then I was like, look at me, I'm, I'm ready, I've got time to go have some lunch and I forgot to write a question. You've deep dived into anyway, so you've been swimming in it. So you can come up with a question for it really quickly, and I think you'll have done that now. So what is this week's question? <laughs> Who was known as the sugar bird lady? <laughs> so is that um, pronounced sugar bowl lady? <laughs> <laughs> oh, Dave, we know you don't know what a sugar bowl is, but surely you know what a sugar bird is. Angela Lansbury? No. Okay. I mean, you said that with semi-confidence, so I was like, maybe this is right. I don't think we're going to get this one, Jess. No, and this isn't one that I knew of either and it actually hasn't been suggested um, by any Patreons um, but I discovered this story when scrolling through Facebook and saw a TikTok video about this topic and I thought, that sounds interesting and I did a little Google and here we are. Is this some sort of dance number then? It's not a it's not a dance number. Yeah. Well, yeah, the the sugar bird lady gives. It could even be like a spy kind of story, couldn't it? Do you have any early early ideas of what about like where it's set, for example? It sounds like any a, ideas. It sounds like a World War Two French thing to me. Okay. What is Matt? so? What's it? What's what's her name in sugar? What sugar bird lady? Sugar bird lady. In my head, it was going to be something like she was just a kook from a neighborhood. <laughs> <laughs> and she, you know, she'd walk around, she'd have birds all over her and sugar as well. She'd be, she'd go, sugar for a bird? And then she'd, yeah. um, she'd either swap you sugar for a bird or bird for a sugar. She'd do it <laughs> both ways. She had both. <laughs> She's the sugar bird lady. She's the buy swap sell of sugar birds. <laughs> yeah. No, of sugar and birds. Sugar and, and birds, birds, sorry, yeah. Yeah, either. That's fine. <laughs> we pay cash for sugar and birds. Well, we pay sugar for birds and birds for sugar. It's a weird system. Would they? Do you reckon they'd still swap birds for birds? Like if you had, I'll give you three small birds for that big bird. Oh, she she will make a deal. If yeah. if the deal is in her favour, she'll make any deal. <laughs> yeah, great. What about sugar for sugar? That seems a bit pointless, doesn't it? Well, it would seem pointless if the only deal she'd make is, you know, a, either equal amounts of sugar if she's getting a better quality of sugar mm. or if it's the same quality of sugar, she'll take more sugar off your hands. So it would only work if you were trying to get rid of some sugar. (laughs) Well, I mean, we've built a rich tapestry, but unfortunately none of that is even vaguely close. Oh, come on. (laughs) 
<laughs> this is the story of the Sugarbird Lady. Her real name was Robin Elizabeth Miller. Robin. Her name, name is the bird. Robin. Yeah. yeah, I know. It works. She was born on the 8th of December in 1940 in Western Australia. Oh. Um, bit of background on. I was her definitely very... picturing the sugar sugar bird lady to be a, a Cockney Englishman yeah. <laughs> woman. <laughs> Women she's can be uh, Englishmen too. Oh, she's very different to that. Swap your bird for some sugar, me love. <laughs> ah, me lovely, wanna get me sugar for bird or How did sugar. you move your mouth to the side of your face? <laughs> that was. That was like The Exorcist. But it was also beautiful, don't you think, Dave? Mm, the sexy exercise. Terrifying. My but mouth beautiful. moved away all the way around my head, but my head didn't move. <laughs> like the exercise. Anyway, a bit of background uh, to start with on her very impressive parents. So her mother was Dame Mary Jurak, who's an author and historian known for writing the Australian classic Kings in Grass Castles. Either of you heard of Kings in Grass Castles? No. No. They shouldn't throw. S- Grass stones, though. No. no. That's, uh, that doesn't quite work, does it? They should not. But, but I, I had to write in that it was an Australian classic because when I looked up the book it was like, oh, it's, you know, an absolute classic. And I was like, yeah, of course. We all know her work. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yes. yeah sorry. So did you say grass Dame castles? Mary Jurak. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. I'm on board. I remember it mm. from my childhood. So Mary, her mother, was born in Adelaide but grew up on cattle stations in the Kimberley region of Western Australia. And from a young age, she and her siblings were in charge of running the cattle stations and Mary learnt from the local Indigenous women everything from how to cook to how to muster cattle. This is in the late 20s and early 30s, so this is, you know, a long time ago. Then she went on to write a hugely popular column in the Western Mail and wrote several novels, one of which, Keep Him to Country, she adapted into a one-act opera which was one of the first of two operas to be given an evening performance at the Sydney Opera House. Oh, wow. This is the yeah. dame. Yeah, this is the dame. This is Robin's mother, Mary. I don't know. I, I, as soon as you said dame, I assumed opera. I don't, why are all these opera people end up being dames? Yeah, I don't know. There's got to be dames for other reasons, doesn't there? Yeah. Yeah, there so. is. I okay. can't think of any. I can only think of Dame Nellie Melba. Yeah, and there's another Famously opera an dame. opera singer. <laughs> There's uh, Dame Mary Gilmore on the $10 note. That's the only one I can think of, so there you go. Was she she opera opera as well? No, I think she was a writer. Oh, right, Dame whatever your name was, Mary Gilmore. Whoop, whoop. Yeah, Yeah, I reckon she probably wrote operas. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, okay. Yeah, 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 all right. But she couldn't sing, but she could write. My God, could she write. I've just looked her up. Uh, She got her Dame ship for in recognition for leading women in new australian movement and as a writer of verse stories and essays oh cool there you go i found this page of dames and there's heaps of dames that are for other things <laughs> beryl Beaurepaire in recognition of service to women's affairs for instance that's a great name beryl Beaurepaire. Well, that's beryl kind of, that's Beaurepaire. one of my favorites i've ever heard that's fantastic fantastic anyway yes yeah, so that was robin's mum Dame Mary Jurak. So what about her dad? Well, his name was Horatio Clive Miller. Wow. I've, I've also seen Horace, but I think it's Horatio. He was known, known as Horry anyway. And he was born in Ballarat here in Victoria. He trained as a mechanic, but he had an interest in flying and eventually went to England hoping to break into the aviation industry as it was just starting to boom. And he got a job uh, with... Sopwith Aviation Company as a mechanic 
and through his role there, he learned to fly. And then World War I broke out and he returned to Australia and trained as a fighter pilot. And, um, you know, many, many years later, he sort of started his own aviation company. It was called the McRobertson Miller Aviation Company. Um, They bought three new planes. They had a couple more pilots. And he was the managing director, chief pilot and chief engineer of this company (laughs) that he created. He was doing everything. He's just putting on a different hat, running out the back. Yeah. So the company baker. Honestly, that Google Calendar would be a nightmare. <laughs> so, yeah, he also opened a flying school in Mount Gambier in South Australia and uh, he also won a Sydney to Perth centenary air race which had a prize of a £1,000. And this is back 20s, 30, like a long time ago, so that's a lot of cash. Yeah, that's what one of the longest flights between capital cities in Australia, right? Brisbane to Perth would be the longest, I suppose. So that's yeah. um, back then, I imagine that would have been a pretty full on flight. Yeah, huge. Um, and definitely not the longest flight we're going to talk about. Right. Okay. So it's a plane thing. Sugarbird. Sugarbird. Oh. So those those are her parents. That's sort of the family that she is. She's born into is some very impressive, ambitious people. Um, so when Robin was born, her mother's family still had the sheep and cattle stations that had made them very well known in Western Australia. Apparently, they had around seven million acres. I can't really compute that. Yeah, I'm not entirely sure what an acre is. Is that like a state? Is that like all of Victoria or something? You also have to remember, especially for people not from Australia, that Western Australia takes up a third of the whole country. It's fucking huge. You know, it's so tiny. Like Australia is the second small, uh, Australia, Victoria is the second smallest, right? And if you look on a map and you have to drive from Melbourne up into like the top corner where Mildura is, that's like a seven-hour drive. And then you look at the size of Western Australia, you're like, holy fuck, it's huge. How how big did you say, Bob? Because the apparently I've just Googled it, the... Uh, the state we live in, Victoria, is 6.359 million hectares. Yeah, no, they had 7, mil- seven million acres. So they had more, they own more than, bigger Wait, than Victoria. No, hectares but are Victoria bigger than Victoria was acres. hectares. Right, okay. Yeah, it just, I just Googled how many acres in Victoria, Australia. It says 6.359 million. Right, okay. I just said hectares because my brain's an idiot. <laughs> the land they own is bigger than Victoria, the state that we live in. That's insane. Hang so, on, I think that's the population. <laughs> you <laughs> stupid Google. Like that, it comes. Yeah, no, that's population for sure. I think we can we can categorically say it's a big bit of land, and they're probably extremely wealthy from it, right? Yeah, I would say so, yeah. They're, run, they're running like several cattle stations. They've got sheep stations. Obviously she's a, a very famous and successful rider and also her dad runs a, um a aviation company. So I think they're, they're doing pretty well. And at the aviation company he's got like seven jobs, so that's like seven salaries. Yeah, exactly. That's how I assume it works, yeah. So Robin and her two brothers and three sisters grew up spending time on cattle stations and had a strong connection to northern Western Australia and the Indigenous communities there. Also growing up with a pilot dad, uh, Horry passed on his love for the air to his daughter Robin. But when she finished high school in Perth, flying was not considered to be an appropriate career for a lady. Oh. Ladies don't fly. What are you talking about? You can't. You get your periods and it's a mess. Oh, no, you can't fly. What about the flying nun? Exactly. 
Oh, what does that mean, Dave? Could she be a nun? She changed everything. Oh. Do you know the Flying Nun, the TV show? Yeah, yeah. With Sally Field, is that? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sally yeah, Field right. was a flying nun? Yeah. Right? <laughs> huh. We're all learning today. Anyway. That is a, I, that vaguely rings a bell, but what a, what a wild idea for a TV show. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Mm. Would it be fair to say that that was from back in the day? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think that's fair, yeah. So, and this is also back in the day. This is like the early 60s. So this is, you know, options for women were like teacher, maybe admin or nurse, and that was about it. Um, aviator, a pilot, no. I mean, why would you, what a silly job for a woman. But if you'd wait, she'd waited till the late 60s, 1967, the flying nun would have taken off literally and then that would have changed the game, sadly. Yeah, everyone would have been like, well, hang on, if nuns can fly... <laughs> I guess so too can women. <laughs> this is them trying to figure yeah, it doing out. doing the maths on a blackboard about yeah. it. Yeah, <laughs> very cute. So um, she trained as a nurse at the Royal Perth Hospital and graduated in 1962 with the State Nurses Medical Prize. And by 1964, two years later, she was a triple certificated nurse. Um, at St Anne's Hospital in Perth. I looked this up and I think it's the equivalent of being like a registered nurse but also having midwifery or psychiatric qualifications. Mid- like, she's like a double degree kind of thing, you know? Love midwifery as a word. Such a good word, midwifery. So, yeah, she's a, she's a very qualified and very she's very good at her job. She's a good nurse. Um, Alongside this, though, with the help of her father, she also acquired her private pilot licence, you know, for smaller aircrafts. And she was encouraged to then go and get her commercial pilot's licence as well by a man named Harold Dix, (laughs) um, who at the time was the director of the Royal Flying Doctors Service. So um, I would assume there's similar services in other countries, but um, the RFDS was established in Australia, 1928, it's it's medical and emergency assistance for those that live and work in remote Australia. So they'll, they've got planes and they'll fly a doctor to you. Especially when you're growing up on a farm of 7 million acre farm, you probably don't have, you know, your local GP around the corner. Right, of course. Yeah, you wouldn't, that would be a long way away. Yeah, I mean, it, it would take a couple of days to cross your own property, you know. Um, yeah, so she she went and got her commercial pilot's licence and yet still despite her qualifications and that her father was the managing director of an airline, she could not get a job flying because it wasn't seen as appropriate for a woman to be a pilot, even though she had all the qualifications. She even applied for a role at her father's company and she still wasn't successful. Oh, no. You can't even get nepotism? You get Come a, on. Get an interview with your dad. I'm afraid we have to. We're going to go with the other one. Sorry. I'm so sorry. It seems like her dad was very supportive. I mean, he was. He helped her get her her first, like her um, private pilot's license. So I'm guessing she wasn't interviewing with him, but I do like to imagine she was. And he was like, mm, "No, <laughs> sorry. Got a dick I just, yet? I just, I don't have any evidence that you can fly. I'm sorry. <laughs> Even though I taught you as a small child. They drive home together in the car. It's very awkward. <laughs> yeah. All right, fine. Well, she flies can you take me home? home. Well, yeah. I've got, yeah. <laughs> imagine that. Oh. He's like, start up the plane. I've just got to uh, interview a few more people. I'll be out in a sec. So, in order to do what she wanted to do, she was going to have to think outside the box and make an offer that no one could refuse. Mm. Because in 1967, 
there was a second polio strike that hit Western Australia. So in Australia, there were major polio epidemics in the late 30s, early 40s and the 1950s. And the first vaccine was developed in 1952 by uh, Jonas Salk. It was called the Salk vaccine. Um, And then uh, it was sort of overtaken by another vaccine that was created by uh, Sabin. And it was an oral vaccine. It was made 10 years later in 1962. And it took over from Salk because it was cheaper to make and easier to administer. And that brings us back to Robin Miller, because although the polio vaccine had been around for more than a decade, distributing it and to the like very spread out rural communities in Western Australia's in the north of Western Australia was providing was was a, a significant challenge. So she approached the Western Australian Department of Health to ask permission to fly to northern Western Australia in order to carry out a vaccination program. They couldn't argue with her because she had a very unique set of skills. She was a highly qualified nurse and a pilot, so she was a two-in-one. She was like, I can do it. I can just fly myself up, give them the vaccine, pop back home. So they, they agreed, and next she needed a plane. So, I mean, you could probably go to your dad who owns an airline and say, oi, could I borrow a plane? But instead she borrowed money and she bought herself a little Cessna 182 Skylane, which is like a little four-seater light aeroplane. And on the 22nd of May 1967, Robin Miller took her first flight of many to remote areas in Western Australia. She would have been about 26 at this point, and over the next few years she covered 43,000 air miles visiting remote communities. How many acres is that? <laughs> let's, let's, um, a lot, a lot okay. I think. A lot. I've yeah. I figured okay. out. It's weird that you can't just find out easily how many acres are in Victoria, but I've converted it from a <laughs> kilometre squared. It looks like it's 58 and a bit million hectares. So they basically, they own a, you know, a, a little chunk of Victoria. Right. Okay. A big, still a big area. It's still huge. Yeah, yeah. It's still very big. Still bigger than our houses. Yeah. I reckon bigger than our houses combined. Nah. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, come on. Nah. That's crazy. How big can a cattle station be? Yeah. How many many cows do you actually need? (laughs) Honestly. That's another thing I've always been very confused by when people say like 10 head of cow. How much is a head? I don't know. Oh. I think think it's depending on how many heads the cow has. If it's a normal (laughs) one-headed cow, that's... One head of cow. Gets confusing right. when you got the double-headed cows. Right. So it could be ten head of cow, but that's actually only five double-headed cows. Yeah, exactly. Or one ten-headed cow, confusingly. Oh, God, that would be a real mess of a cow. I'm glad they don't I do think... it in stomachs. Wow, we, yeah. <laughs> we got 800 stomachs of cow. Yeah, I'm bad at the four times tables. Um, I was wondering why you'd gone quiet for a bit there. That makes sense. But I'm glad we got to the bottom of it. Yeah. So, yeah. He'd wheeled in his own blackboard. <laughs> He's like, hang you on You were a wondering sec. why the abacus was in the room with you? <laughs> <laughs> tick, tick, tick. I just love that sound. I love, so she's I covering... do love that sound. Oh, yeah. It's so soothing. When I was a boy, that's all we had. Do you remember when they invented calculators? Yeah. It was a big day for me. Yeah, wow. Yeah. And then when they invented those scientific calculators where you could put games on them. Play oh, Tetris wow. or whatever. That was yep. oh, too bad. I was already well and truly out of school by then, but uh, yeah. I didn't need but to sneak yourself... games in anymore. <laughs> you went and got yourself a scientific calculator and put some games on yep. it, hid in the shed for a bit. <laughs> oh, yeah, big time. Most people bought Seegers, but you bought a calculator. <laughs> Baby steps. 
Yeah, <laughs> you got it easy in. So anyway, yes, she's covering insane distances just flying by herself. Um, she'd treat children with the Sabin vaccine in sugar lumps because the sugar was used to sort of mask the really bitter taste. Okay, we're and, talking real Mary Poppins sort of tactics yeah, here. Yeah, just give them all little lumps of sugar. And she built a really, she built some really strong relationships with the communities she would visit, which were mostly Aboriginal communities. To her patients throughout the Kimberley and the Pilbara, Robin became the Sugarbird Lady, a name that stuck throughout her entire life. Um, there was a brief break in the middle of this project because in November of 1967, Harold Dix, who remembers the director of the Royal Flying Doctor Service, he asked her to co-pilot a Beechcraft Baron from Oakland, California back to Perth for the Royal Flying Doctor Service. Obviously they were buying the plane or for some reason and they're like, can you go and bring it back? She, so she asked for leave to do that and they were like, yeah, sure, go for it. So she took um, temporary leave from the immunisation project and she undertook what would be the first of nine ferry trips during her career. Another one was in 1968 when she flew solo and brought a single-engined horizon from Paris to Perth. So she's done a lot of long-distance flying, ferrying planes all over the world. Right. Well, they won't give her the job flying for the company, but you can fly the plane back to the country further than you'd be flying for the company so someone else can yeah. fly for the company. That's so Isn't weird. Isn't it weird? I think it's kind of because, well, a fair bit of time has passed now as well. So, like, she, when she finished studying with her nursing, it was, like, 1962. By the time she's doing this, it's, like, five years later. Maybe there'd been a bit of a shift or yep. she was, because of her work, she was being acknowledged as a good pilot. So was there, but was there a big cultural shift in the 60s? I don't know. I, I don't know either. I'm guessing. It started with The, the Flying Nun. Love. 1967, which actually is 1967, the summer Whoa. of love. So there you go. <laughs> that changed everything. <laughs> no, I, th- I'm, I was being ironic. There was a big cultural shift in the 60s, wasn't there? Isn't that when everything changed? Black and white TV went to colour. People grew their hair out long. <laughs> Women were allowed outside. Everything changed in the 60s. <laughs> the Saints won a grand final. Oh, it was wow. a different world. They were allowed in planes, All that's the old for sure. rules were broken. Yeah, everything changed. So anyway, she comes back from uh, from these ferrying trips. She completes the immunisation program in October of 1969. Nice. Nice. Um, after single-handedly administering over 37,000 doses of vaccine. Single-handedly? My goodness. 37,000 doses. That's amazing. Yeah. And like we said, flying 43,000 miles, which is 69 thousand kilometers nice. i think you should count them in arms arms of vaccine right <laughs> 1600 arms of vaccine needles but it's not needles <gasps> it's sugar sugar okay well that i was wondering how she got the sugar in the needles because they were you know grains all these little <laughs> grains getting coming out the little needle end that did seem uh, pretty wild to me this is while you were looking up hectares uh there was a new uh um vaccine that came in that was oral and that's it was cheaper to make and easier to distribute because you could just put it in a sugar lump and give it to someone yeah well i I heard that bit that's that's how i knew about the sugar so it's wild that it was getting in in the down through the needles like that (laughs) yep imagine a a child is panicking because of a needle because so many kids hate needles but you're like don't worry mate don't worry there's sugar in here 
You're going to love it. Yeah, don't worry about it. So we had to make the needle really big and wide uh, <laughs> to fit these because we use raw sugar as well, which is the, the grainiest of all the sugars. Don't worry. Starburst flavoured, this needle, you're going to love it. We'll give you a lollipop after to shove up your ass. <laughs> <laughs> they just hadn't figured it out yet. They just hadn't quite figured out yeah. how to. They'll get there eventually. <laughs> that is incredible. A 37,000 administered doses. Wow. Yeah, just flying by herself. And so in um, also in 1969, she was awarded a couple of, uh, a couple of different awards. One is the Diploma of Merit uh, by the, uh, it's an Italian, Associanze Nazionale Infermerie. Oh, um, I'm, I'm uh, one-eighth Swiss Italian if you want me to have a go at that one. So, you know, so you'll know I nailed that. Um, yeah. Well, and the following. It took actually just it was just like um, uh, Nanny used to, Nonna used to say. Yeah. <laughs> I wonder why she didn't go by Nonna, or and why she still doesn't because she's still alive. <laughs> maybe we should ask her. Yeah, maybe I will. Hmm. Um, in nineteen seventy as well, she received the Nancy Bird Walton Award as Australia's Woman Pilot of the Year. Woman Pilot of the Year. That's so good. <laughs> they still award that. I don't know. I'm not sure if that's still going. Because they still, it's funny, they do it for acting still. They split it up between men and women. Yeah. You think, like, so I sort of get it with sports because, you know, swimming uh, men are just generally bigger and stronger. But for acting, I don't know if uh, that necessarily helps you out. So I wonder why they don't just go best actor. Yeah, and I suppose, like, with sports, you're in different competitions, different leagues, so you're not playing against each other, so it's not really all that... Comparable, but then yeah, you're right. Acting, it's like, well, they were in the same movie. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think it would be unfair though, because Meryl Streep would never let a man win again. So <laughs> yeah, it's big. <laughs> and the Academy's dominated by old men, as they've told us on the Academy that's Award right. episode. Yeah, so that's they, right. they probably just go, hey, we need a man's category, so <laughs> men still win some stuff. Yeah, we need something. <laughs> men need a win, okay. <laughs> but yeah, it seems funny that, that there's a, a woman's pilot award. I imagine that's probably defunct now. I would guess so. I'm not 100% sure. But, yeah, that was in 1970, so who knows? I'm also uh, not smart enough to really have an opinion on such a thing, so I don't know why I even brought it up. <laughs> no, but it is a bit weird. But I don't, I don't know There's if it's still going or not. There's probably some reason that that makes sense maybe, is there? I don't know. <laughs> Jess, you're the expert on flying. I know. Um, so because she built a unique rapport with the people living in uh, Western Australia's most remote regions, Robin was soon offered a position with the Royal Flying Doctor Service because originally she, she's doing this immunisation project just by herself for the, you know, the health department. Now the Royal Flying Doctor Service are like, you should come work for us. Yeah, so we'd like, like to oh, make that a seems mar- like a no-brainer. Yeah. We'd like to make a margin on this work you're doing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So unlike the majority of her predominantly male colleagues, Robin could do it all. As a pilot and a nurse, she often flew solo and she even serviced her own aircraft. Damn. She just did it all. Who Was it her dad who did every role in his company? <laughs> that just runs yeah, exactly, in the family. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. She's like, I got it. So, yeah, quite often what would happen is you'd have a pilot flying a doctor out and they'd sort of work in tandem the pilot wouldn't do much of the doctoring, I'll be honest, and the doctor probably wouldn't do a lot of the piloting. They really had, the, they stayed in their lanes, you know, <laughs> um, but Robin sort of does both. So, but she was also like this glamorous, she was, she's beautiful, um, very charming. Oh, you hate was, to hear that. They are? I'm like, I'm already impressed. Surely she's <laughs> at the very least she's yeah. ugly, you know? I know. Now I it's hate unfair. It. 
I hate it when you meet someone who is drop dead gorgeous and lovely yeah. and smart, and you're like, "Fuck you." I'm happy for you to have two of the three. Exactly. You can't have all. You can't have them. You can be really nice and beautiful and an idiot, or you can be ugly and smart. You know, like you just can't have it all. I but think, she did apparently. I think you can. Speaking from personal David, experience. No. Well, I guess you do work in TV. You've probably met a few people like that, don't you? <laughs> They've got it all. Damn them. <laughs> so, yeah, this combination of like a glamorous young woman and a life of adventure brought her a lot of attention. And her sister, Patsy, said in an interview, she wanted to be definitely feminine in the flying world, even though she did a lot of heavy work. She pushed the plane in and out, did a lot of her own mechanical work and so on. But she was good looking and very, very charming to meet. She became extremely well-known throughout the North at this time, also for administering treatment for eye diseases. So it's like she's well-known because she's gorgeous and ad- and so smart and so nice, but also because she's helping, she's saving people well, as well. In her spare time, she cured blindness. <laughs> anyway, she was also a netball champ and uh, really good at squash. Best and fairest every year. <laughs> she also knitted... Um, she had a whole range of uh, of knitwear that she sold every winter. For charity. And charity, yeah. yeah. <laughs> donated it all. <laughs> Honestly, she was a pain in the ass. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> so she was always on call and flew in all types of weather, responding to a range of emergencies and coping with difficult or, or frightened patients. She was tall, fair and elegant. She was conscientious, cheerful and popular. Um, and reacting to those who expected her to don men's clothing, she wore skirts rather than trousers on her flights, which is funny because you usually hear it the other way around where people um, are sort of like, well, that lady should be wearing a skirt, and she's like, fuck it, I'm putting on trousers. In this instance, you would go, pants are probably a bit easier for um, getting in underneath planes to service them. She's like, no, no, I'll I'll wear what I want, and I like that. Yeah, just doing the opposite of what people say, no matter what it is they say. Oh, yeah. Honestly, just... Sugar Lady, it'd be crazy for you to wear like a, a space suit. That would make no sense. Like, well, I'll show you. <laughs> oh, really? See you tomorrow at night. Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> That'd be crazy, would it? That'd be crazy. She can't reach, she can't steer the plane. She's like, I don't care, I'm wearing a space suit. <laughs> I just like that, like, just wear whatever the fuck you yeah. want to wear. Who cares? Love it. That's what I like. I don't, you know. Oh, skirts do sound great, especially as the weather's starting to turn here in Melbourne. It's. Some turn more summery. I think. Mm. Do I do, do I have the balls to wear a skirt? And I, I probably don't quite yet. I don't. Honestly, you'll you'll like it for about twenty seconds, and then you'll get slightly hot, and the chafing will start, and you'll want to kill yourself. With a skirt, oh. I thought yeah. the point of it would be that it would keep you nice. Oh, maybe I'm thinking of like more of a flowy summer dress. Still, really, they ch- okay. Well, you've talked me right out of it. Well, because because what's what's in between your legs as you walk? Then nothing. Mm-hmm. Well, speak, so it's speak just for yourself. it's just chafe. Right. Okay. So the pants stop chafing. Mm. And that yeah. Right. Okay. Interesting. Well, you've turned me right around. I always assumed it would be a dream. I would. I would absolutely encourage you to give it a go. Yeah. Can be quite nice and do little spins in it. That's yeah, fun. Oh, right. that's fun. That's fun. Do some twirls. Yeah. Woo! I'm a recent convert because of the lockdown. I just bought, bought a pair of tracksuit pants. I've, I've now got two. I used to only have the one. So now I can wear them every day. And, um, yes. And, yeah, I'm starting to wear them out of the house. they normally just be around mm-hmm. the house thing. It's, it's absolutely changed my life. Yeah. I used to wear jeans every day. 
And I don't know if I will do that ever again. I think I've put jeans on two or three times during this lockdown, probably for our live streams, and that might have been about it. And every time I put them on, I was like, what the fuck are these pants? Why do these exist? I can't breathe. <laughs> Who invented these? You, were you wearing Who them on your these head? These are dumb. Yes. <laughs> I can't yes. breathe. Where jeans go? It's been a while since I've worn these. Is this right? <laughs> How do I look? <laughs> do I look stupid? <laughs> are they slimming? <laughs> You're fully nude. Uh, below. <laughs> Is this right? This feels. Just this jeans doesn't feel quite right. I can't put my finger on. It's a bit breezy. <laughs> A little bit breezy. <laughs> anyway, so, um, yeah, she's getting lots of attention and praise because she's good at her job and she's very nice. And in uh, 1971 she followed in her mother's footsteps and she wrote a book, which is an autobiography called Flying Nurse. Ah. Oh. Similar to so Flying close. Nurse. Yeah. And it gave a very lively account of her career up until that point. Um, this might be one of my favourite stories, which I only found in one article which was written on LinkedIn by the CEO of Royal Flying Doctor Services in Western Australia. His name is Graham Marshall. And I don't know why this story isn't like the first thing everyone's talking about because it says, on one occasion, Robin was flying a pregnant woman when the patient went into labour. She put the plane into autopilot and delivered the baby in the back. No. <laughs> Are you serious? Yeah. When mother and baby were both safe and well, she returned to the cockpit and landed the plane, now with three people on board instead of the two that had started the journey. Because <laughs> she's doing it by herself. Normally it would be a pilot flying along. Doctor or nurse would be in the back with the patient, no problem. Robin is both. So she puts the plane in. And no, that's the only place I was able to find that story. And I only knew of it because of this TikTok that I saw that told that story and then I didn't see it in anything oh, I read wow. and I was like, well, this is madness. Was that TikTok wrong? And then I Googled it and this is all I found. But I had to really search for this story. It feels wow. like, yeah, it feels... And that's all I have. I have no other information. That's a pretty good so many source, questions. though, the head of... LinkedIn. Oh, well, I was thinking the head of <laughs> flying doctor service. Yeah. Also TikTok. I imagine she did it at exactly. all wearing a, some sort of a, a ball gown as well. <laughs> yeah, I would imagine so, yeah. She's on the way back from receiving an Academy Award honorary. Yeah. And I also I picture her doing it without being flustered in any way, just sort of like... Oh, absolutely, oh, yes. labour. Well, ideally this would have happened on the ground, but I'll just flick it into autopilot. All right, if you're lying on All your right, back All right, here we now. go. Let's go deliver a baby. These things happen pretty quickly as a general <laughs> rule, so now, I'm sure that uh, shan't be a problem. Tell me about the contractions. What are the gaps or whatever they say? Like she's just riffing. She doesn't even fully yeah. know. Something about contractions. <laughs> I'll figure this out. She's got a book in she's one hand. She's taking a sip from her coffee as she's as she's chatting <laughs> to me. One them. hand's got a book called uh, Giving Birth 101. The other hand, a martini. <laughs> yeah, midwifery for dummies she's got in one hand. I forget she's a nurse. She probably had a handle on it, but yeah, I think I think she did know what to do. She's quite good at being a nurse as well as quite good at being a pilot. Yeah, so really, if anyone was to be in this situation, you'd hope it'd be her. Yeah, honestly, I, I think she's the perfect person for this yeah. job. Do you think um, she's also doing the pilot's voice, uh, <laughs> ladies and uh, gentlemen? I'm just gonna have to put this into uh, autopilot. Uh, or I take care of something in the back. Uh, we have a pregnant woman on board. You see, and. Uh, uh, I got to deliver the baby, so uh, cross check uh, cabin doors, uh, prepare the cabin for landing, and uh, one birth. We uh... and one birth. <laughs> <laughs> 
Dave, the whole time I was writing this report, not once did it cross my mind that it would open up the opportunity for the captain's voice. Oh, sorry. So that was a genuine thrill for me. Sort an opportunity. Had to take it. I love the, the right thing. I love the voice. Would, she would have been, uh, we got a pregnant woman on board. Uh, that's you. You're the only passenger. Uh, <laughs> so you'll be aware of this anyway. Just wanted to uh, go through the protocols. Uh, <laughs> She's by the book. She's by the book, if nothing else. If we've got any more uh, babies joining us uh, on this flight, I just want to say, welcome to the world. <laughs> yeah, maybe something cute like that. They love chucking in a cute thing at the end, don't they? Yeah, I, I love mean, it. I love it when they say, "If and if uh, Melbourne's home for you, welcome yeah, home." That's, that's Sometimes, a nice touch. after a long journey, that that gets. Oh, me. you start to cry for sure. It's like, yeah, that is my home, Captain. I just hear, I've been <laughs> And uh, if Australia is home to you, then uh, bloody good day, uh, good on your champ, welcome home, <laughs> have a bloody good frothy and we'll uh, be landing soon. Good day, cheers. <laughs> and cheers and good day. And you're like, good day. It's so beautiful, the Australian language. Uh, wallaby, kangaroo, kookaburra, kingo. Platypus. Rialto Tower. <laughs> MCG. Uh, John Howard's eyebrows. Uh, <laughs> you know, all the things that make Australians feel really patriotic. Brian and Brown. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, she's, she's flying for the Royal Flying Doctor Service. She's delivering a baby midair. In 1973, she marries Harold Dix, oh. the director of the Royal Flying Doctor Service. Right. And she becomes Robin Miller Dix. Right, and she was... He gave her one of her first big jobs that she hadn't given herself, right? Flying the plane back home. Yes, that's right, yeah. And he was the one who, even before that, encouraged her to get a commercial licence as well. Oh, that's nice. So, so he acknowledged early on that she was she It was is good. interesting, Jess, so she couldn't get the pilot job early on because she didn't have a dick and now she's got dicks. So <laughs> no, no. it's all coming together for her. <laughs> yeah. That's what it takes, you know. You've got to have a dick in this world. <laughs> so that same year, she and another pilot named Rosemary de Pierre oh were sponsored that's a name. to compete. That's a name. They were sponsored to compete in the 1973 all women's transcontinental air race across the United States. This is a, she's, she just packs so much into a year. So this race has been happening in some form or another since 1929. The first race happened because in the early days of flying, there were very few women pilots in the United States. And so they became acquainted with one another during air meets and air rodeos and like any kind of events and expos and stuff where everybody would meet, they would all get to know each other. So um, during the 1929 National Air Races and Aeronautical Expo, they held the first women's air race to qualify Pilots had to have at least 100 hours of solo flight, which included a minimum 25-hour cross-country flying. These are the same rules that applied to men competing in national air races. Um, and so for the very first race back in 1929, there were 20 competitors, including Amelia Earhart. Oh, I was oh, wow. wondering if she was going to be involved. That's sick. Yeah, it's wild. There was also an Aussie in that first one named Jesse Miller. No relation. Um <laughs> Not to me, to Robin Miller. Oh, right. So I, th- I honestly, <laughs> I went straight to you. I was like, I every Jess or Jesse, you have to say that just in case. No relation. No relation. It is a family name. <laughs> <laughs> no relation. 
So one of, one of the one of the qualifications was that the aircraft would have to have horsepower appropriate for a woman. This is back in the in the twenties. One of the aviators, whose name was Opal Kunz, her wow. three hundred horsepower travel air was deemed to be too fast for a woman to fly, even though she owned it and flew it. <laughs> so she had to find a less powerful aircraft for the race. <laughs> that doesn't make. I don't know if you guys picked this up, but that doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense. They're like, no, 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 honey. It's, oh, sweetheart, no. Oh, it's so funny. This is, is this your husband's plane? Did you accidentally bring the wrong plane? <laughs> oh, honey, are you okay? You'd be scared. A bit powerful, isn't it? I was dumb. I my initial thought was that when you said that they needed horsepower appropriate for a woman, I'm like, oh, the old sexist world. They're like, women aren't fast enough. We need to give them extra horsepower. <laughs> Because <laughs> they can't fly fast enough. How do you think you fly? Do you think they have to pedal or something? <laughs> no, I just sort of, you know, I mean, I'm just in their old old sort of outdated minds that that was their like, oh, they don't know how to fly like the big boys. We better give them some oh. extra juice. <laughs> Obviously it no, was the, the other way around, yes. <laughs> but then they end up giving him planes that are not powerful enough to actually get off the ground. <laughs> yeah. yeah, they give him paper planes <laughs> and they're like, you have fun, girls. Like the, it, that the, becomes way more dangerous. The early Olympics, yeah. they're like going, all right, all right, ladies, you can swim your, you can swim the same distance, but you got to do it in the paddling pool. Yeah. <laughs> Very Enjoy. cute. You have to run don't up and down the pool. Don't want you to drown, do we? Oh, no. Yes, anyway, I find that very funny that they're like, oh, no, this plane's too powerful for you. And she's like, that's my plane. <laughs> that is one of the... I'm, I flew it here. What are you talking about? I'm flying right now. <laughs> <laughs> you're you're a passenger on I'm my plane. I'm flying into this start line. <laughs> <laughs> so the name Powder Puff Derby or Derby um, was... Uh, there was this humorist called Will Rogers. He referred to it as the Powerpuff. I'm going to say Derby, Powderpuff Derby. And that name kind of stuck, um, Powderpuff Derby. I'm not, I don't really get the joke, yeah, but Derby. I love it. Yeah, it's fun. I know it's fun. Well, no, it's not funny. It's humorous. He was a humorist. Is a powder puff like one of those things you'd use for makeup maybe? Oh, oh that's funny. Okay. Now All I right. get it. Now that I, I get it, I think it. it's even funnier. Yeah, it's very funny. So it stuck. This is like back in the in 1929 it stuck and then um, the uh, the race kind of, it was like on and off for a little while and then it sort of started to be more, uh, it was like an annual thing and it was just called the Powder Puff Derby. Derby. Um, I found an article from the 1973 uh, race. So this is this was a, an article in Sports Illustrated, and it looks like this was kind of well. I, in the in the pages that I saw, there were no boobs. Oh, I don't know if I just didn't see the right pages. But anyway, so this is an article written about it. It says the only trouble with the race is its title. In this day and liberated age. Powder Puff Derby seems a touch too contrived and cute for such a serious challenge. I love that it's saying in this liberated age and that's 1973. Yeah. I love that because I don't feel like we've come all that far. Um, so still the country's foremost women pilots are stuck with it by are stuck with it by tradition and copyright. And away they went last week, 184 competitors on a 2,543-mile transcontinental dash that proved to be anything but puffy. <laughs> this year's derby brought 104 planes to the starting line at 
uh, Paloma Airport in Carlsbad, California. The pilots, ranging from young daughters to seasoned grandmas, came from as far afield as Australia, South Africa and West Germany. And there was not a won't somebody help poor little old me posture in the bunch. That was a really hard sentence to read. And there was not a won't somebody help poor little old me posture in the yeah, bunch. Yeah, that's clumsy phrasing. Yeah, no damsels in distress it's in, weird this, that, in this group. Uh, well, I don't know why they would be expecting anyone to be like that in this race that they've chosen to be in. Well, yeah, I know. it does. I think they're just going a bit too hard of like, the name is quite patronising. These women are tough, and I I know that. I right. believe that. I think there's like they're leaning in a little too hard to like. I think women are great. <laughs> yeah, okay, mate. Yeah, this is the kind, it gets to the point eventually where you you not mentioning the gender at all is what shows that it doesn't matter. Not overdoing exactly. like these gals are tough. Yeah. <laughs> well, they're not. Bloody little girls anymore. Yeah, okay. So it goes on to say, the toughest part of the whole race is deciding when to fly and when to wait, said competitor Ginny Richardson. Finding a good tailwind and riding along with with it is the secret. And there were plenty of opportunities to make such spot decisions this year. Between Carlsbad and the finish line in El- at Elmira, New York, there were eight timing checkpoints, three of which you must stop you must stop at, which all planes had to land, even if only for a short break. The planes also were restricted to flying between sunrise and sunset and could set down for the night only at designated fields. So it's like over several days right. and there's a lot of rules. Oh, interesting. So, yeah, you'd be, uh, if you don't make a certain checkpoint by sundown, you're screwed. Or you, yeah, or you just, so, yeah. they, they're like, you can't take off from here. You won't make it to the next one in time. Or you just like the, I, I, I tried to understand how it worked. There was like handicaps in place for each type of plane and how fast it could go. And it was, I'm a bit confused by it, but yeah, maybe it was just that you would have to, maybe you were penalized time wise. I'm not sure. I'm not sure how it kind of worked. Um, unfortunately, this was the only thing I could find about it, and it's a hard to read it's article. Like, uh, sailing races and stuff, there I'd find all of them very confusing. Hard to watch and know what's yeah. going on, even with like good coverage on TV. Like, whoa, it just looks these one of these yeah. boats is ahead. How the hell do you know? Let's <laughs> just out there in the water. Some Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This podcast is brought to you by Squarespace, the all-in-one website platform for entrepreneurs to stand out and succeed online. Whether it's your first ever website or your business is expanding, Squarespace makes it easy to create a beautiful website and engage with your audience. Upload video content, organize your video library and showcase your content on beautiful video pages. You can even sell access to your video library by adding a paywall to your content. (laughs) Cha-ching. <laughs> you can help with written content on your website with Squarespace AI, which I used to write this next sentence, so check this out. Generate instant, personalised results that know and show your brand identity. Explain what your site is about, choose your tone, and enter what you need to get short or long-form text. Squarespace AI 
Squarespace AI makes it easier to go live, stand out, and succeed online. Oh, Dave, if only it could also not just write it, but read it too. (laughs) And edit it. (laughs) Hey, sell exclusive content on your site by adding a paywall to sell memberships or courses. Or sell files your customers can download like PDFs, music, or eBooks. Man, it's starting to sound like I'm obsessed with money. (laughs) (laughs) And you are. So head to squarespace.com slash do go on for a free trial and to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. So a couple of the powder puffers had more adventurous trips. This is still from the Sports Illustrated article. It says, approaching Albuquerque in her Piper Cherokee, Shirley Windhart, a youthful-looking grandma from Williamsport, 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 <laughs> had a fuel tank switch failure. The engine quit and soloist Windhart made a landing atop a 1,100-foot uh, ridge, buckling the nose wheel and putting a few dents in the Cherokee, but none in herself. And then there's another one that says, heading into Waterloo, Iowa, Wanda Cummings and co-pilot Ava Carmichael ran out of fuel and landed in a cornfield four miles short of the airport. The farmer rushed out and thanked the flyers for devastating his $2 a bushel corn instead of a nearby field of soybeans, which are selling for $7. (laughs) (laughs) That's a guy who's a real glass half full type. Oh, thank yeah, God right. you destroyed thank you so much. my slightly less valuable crop. And he said that before he even said, are you okay? Yeah, he was like, oh, thank you. <laughs> I love Albuquerque. You mentioned it before. Albuquerque. It only ever comes up. I don't know anything about it, but it comes up in uh, going past Albuquerque. Or Bugs Bunny, didn't he used to say, I should have turned left at Albuquerque? When he... Yeah, that rings a bell for it's Bugs. It's just a fun name for a city. Fun to say, Albuquerque, New Mexico. Love it. So, again, sorry, still from this article. But despite the long grind, the race still managed to come down to a final feminine twist. Each of the two woman teams wearing matching flight costumes would step out of their aircraft in Elmira looking quite splendid in everything from orange hot pants to Robin Hood miniskirt outfits in bright green silk. And and then they get judged on their outfit? So it's a flying race, but also Miss America. <laughs> a swimsuit competition at the end. Oh, my God. I think this was just like something they did for fun, which I quite, if, it, if that's the case, then I like it. If they're made to do it, I hate it. Yep. But if they're just doing it for a bit of fun and they're like, let's dress up, I love that. Love that. Let's remember that my friends and I had a um, country club themed Zoom cocktail hour the other day and we all dressed up for that. Love that. It was our choice. No one forced <laughs> you to do that? No one forced me no. to do that. I did it. Well, I don't think you would have enjoyed 1973, Jess, because they were just forcing people to have cocktail hours on Zoom all the time. Oh, <laughs> God, the 70s. Ugh. Anyway, this is another fun um, fun point too. Marjorie Robbins of Los Angeles and Shirley Thorne of La Canada, California. La Canada. Wow. In California. Anyway, had pasted a card with the code word... G-U-M-P-L on their dashboard as a checklist reminder of what to do when coming in for a landing. The first four letters concerned gas tanks, undercarriage, fuel mixture and propeller pitch. The final letters stood for put on your lipstick. Lipstick, not landing gear, lipstick. Yeah, <laughs> lipstick on. And they remind each other, Shirley, lipstick. Oh, thanks, Marjorie. That's lovely. So there were 184 competitors, including these two friends from Australia, racing uh, 2,543 miles across the US. And Robin Miller and Rosemary de Pierre's 
crossed the finish line in sixth place. Oh, great. It was like 104 planes and they came sixth. That's great. That's awesome. So good. So she's achieved a lot. Um, but now I need to prepare yourself for some bad news. Where did Earhart finish? Earhart. Um, many, many decades earlier. I don't oh, know. Oh, this wasn't the race she was in? No, Wait, no. Wait, when was that? <laughs> that was in 1929. <laughs> oh, dear. This is 73. I'm keeping up. But, yeah, I do need you to prepare yourself for some bad news Mm. now. Oh, no. All good things must come to an end. That bad? But around the same time of this flight, while her notoriety as a pioneering female aviator was still growing, Robin discovered a malignant melanoma on her leg, which was promptly surgically removed. So, but remember, she wasn't just a gun aviator because she was a highly trained and experienced nurse so she knew her shit. And her sister Patsy said, I can remember her saying to me, if they've got it all, then I'll be all right. But if they haven't, then I've got about two oh, years. Shit. And Patsy said her sister knew she was flying on borrowed time and she was absolutely right because sadly on the 7th of December 1975, the day before her 35th oh. birthday, she passed away in South Perth and was buried in the Catholic Rites in, in Broome Cemetery. She was 35. She did all that wow. in 35 <laughs> I, years. I was thinking that, yeah, obviously my maths hasn't been too good today, but I was assuming for some reason in my head she was in her mid-50s or something by this point. She did all that by no. 35. Wild. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Oh, that is so, so she was sad. Mid to late 20s when she was off flying by herself to rural areas to administer the vaccine, then she's early 30s when she comes sixth in this race across America. It's absolutely insane. Um, This is her sister again. She says, I just remember her as a dear and affectionate sister who was always there for all of us and the wider public, of course. She gave her life to the service of others. Pretty amazing. Um, And after her death, Robin's husband, Harold, set up a $50,000 memorial foundation to help nurses get flying licences and he also published a book called Sugarbird Lady, which came out in 1979, um, based on Robin's manuscripts and, and detailed diaries that she had always kept. So she's published a couple of books there as well. She was also posthumously awarded the Paul Tissandia Diploma, which is awarded to those persons who have served the cause of aviation um, and private and sporting aviation in particular by their work, initiative, devotion and or other endeavours. So she's it's a nice big award. And she was also given the Brabazon Cup from the Women's Pilots Association of Great Britain. So a couple of awards came in for her as well. And just finally too from um, Graham Marshall again, he's the CEO of the Western Australia Royal Flying Doctor Service. He says... Robin Miller-Dix embodied the Royal Flying Doctor's tradition of innovation and equality. In her short life, she revolutionised the opportunities for women in the aeromedical industry and refused to be held back by the limits of gender expectations and stereotypes. She excelled in roles that were traditionally seen as male and proved that women can be just as accomplished as men, if not more so. And he says, Today, Robin's plane proudly overlooks the Flying Doctor base that it once called home. Positioned to permanently soar through the sky, it's an enduring symbol of what women can achieve, inspiring a new generation to believe that if Robin did it, maybe they can too. So that's nice. Wow, that's great. What a tribute. Yeah. And apparently there's like a couple of roads at um, near the airport in Perth that there's one named after her. It's like Sugar, Sugar Bird Lady uh, Lane or something. And then another one's named after her dad as well. 
So real pioneers. But, yeah, I just thought that's like a local hero story that I did not know. Yeah, me um, either. And that she packed a lot into a, a very short life. Amazing. That's great. And so the, the TikTok that set this all off, was that just like a little, a little account of her life and you just wanted to look more into it? Yeah, it was maybe like a minute, but it was just like she, you know, she was a nurse and a pilot and she flew around giving the vaccine and she delivered a baby and then she died at 35 and I was like, what is, who is this person? Yeah, that's crazy. Wow. She did so yeah. much. She did a lot. So, yeah, that's, um, that's my report on Robin Miller, the great sugar report, bird Popper. lady. Yeah, great one. So good. It's wild. Yeah, it's weird when you there's Aussie hero stories and you're like, we're, we're normally like there's certain Aussie heroes that you know so much about just because we can be over, <laughs> over proud of things sometimes. And then occasionally ones come over, come in like that and you're like, how the fuck is this not told all the time in school or whatever? Yeah, yeah. why haven't we heard of it? Maybe she's more well-known in Perth. I'd love to hear from people in Perth who maybe have heard that story. Mm. Um. Hopefully she's, I don't know, more well-known there. But, yeah, I I had never heard anything. So pretty well, cool. Well, cool. A, a fair few more people know about it now. So that's cool. Yeah. Thanks for bringing it to our attention, Bopper. My absolute pleasure. I know at pleasure. least two more people who now are aware of her story. Me hey. and Greg, who's sitting next to me. <laughs> oh. Greg, social yeah, distance, Greg. Greg. Come on. <laughs> Get out of there. <laughs> well, that brings us to everyone's favourite section of the show, uh, the Patreon shout-out section, which we kick off with the fact, quote, or question section, which has a little jingle. I think it goes something like this. Fact, quote, or question. Ding. Always remembers the ding. Now, how you get involved in this one is if you join up at patreon.com slash pod and you support us on the Sydney Scheinberg Deluxe Memorial Edition package level, uh, that's one of the higher ones. There's there's plenty of different levels in there. Some of the other levels get you um, bonus episodes and uh, other shout Three outs. every month. Three every Three month. Three every yeah. month. We do a, a bonus report. We do a quiz or something else like that. And then we do an episode of, of Phrasing the Bar, which is our podcast exclusive to our Patreon supporters where we go through the films of the great. Brendan Fraser. That's right. We just put out the most recent edition and it was about the uh, all-star cast film from the early 90s, 20 Bucks. So that was, mm. yeah, Which, we had fun reviewing that, didn't yeah. we? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> one of those all-star casts is the young and hot Steve Buscemi. I don't think I was aware mm. that Steve Buscemi used to be hot. <laughs> Isn't that funny? I mean, that's, that's, oh. this podcast is all about educating. I've always been aware. Uh, but if you get involved on the Sydney Schoenberg level, you get to give us a fact, a quote, or a question, and I read them out on the show. Don't pre-read them. It's all part of the fun. First up, we've got Nick Moyer. Nick Moyer is, uh, has given us a question, but he's also given himself the title of Head Phone Jockey for the Do Go On <laughs> Network. <laughs> Now, does that mean anything to either of you? Well, we've all got phones. Do you think he's riding the phone? Like a horse jockey <laughs> or is we talking like a disc jockey? I was thinking like a disc jockey somehow. So he's like, he's just playing Spotify or whatever off the phone. Oh, yeah, gotcha. off his phone. Well, that's my job, Nick. Yeah, okay. But I'm happy to work underneath you from now on, now that you've given yourself the title of headphone jockey. Uh, and Nick's question <laughs> is, what have been... Your most weird experience at a job. What has been 
your most weird experience at a job? Uh, okay. Um, Dave's got well, better answers for this than I do, I'm pretty sure. Uh, one definitely comes to mind and that is the time that I used to dress up as uh, characters for kids' birthday parties. You're talking clown, cowboy, superhero, pirate, that kind of stuff. But then every Christmas, for actually it was just two Christmas in a row, I, uh, <laughs> I was invited to be Santa Claus at multiple uh, birthday parties and Christmas functions and it was always a bad idea because... This was 10 years ago, so I was even thinner than I am now. So I weighed about 50 kilos, 19 years old, looked about seven, and I would put on a fat suit, but it was just the stomach. So the arms were still very thin, legs still pins. And um, most people would humour me when I arrived, but one party I got to on a Saturday night, it was for a, uh, a chicken farming company, and there were some pretty tough people in the crowd, i got to tell you. And when I got there... The first thing I hear is, you're not fucking Santa in front of the entire crowd. Kids there. It's like, mate, I'm not here for you. I'm here for the kids. Yeah. You're not Santa. And That's so obvious to you, and adults. Also, like, mate, no kidding. You know, you think, yeah. you think Santa's rocked up to your work chicken dinner or whatever it is? <laughs> Give me a break. Yeah, you thought you deserved the real Santa. Really? <laughs> if he'd said, hey. Uh, Sandy, you're looking a bit thin or something. I think that's a bit of fun, maybe. That usually yeah. that's what I'd, I would get, like a couple of cheeky parents. Like, so it wouldn't tip off the kids, but they'd be like, oh, Santa's lost a bit yeah. of weight. Good on you, mate, or something like that. And you'd be like, ha-ha, <laughs> very funny. You, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, good on you, Santa. Been on a low-carb diet, have you? Good on you. And I'd be like, yeah. Feeling good, eh? Yeah, clearly I'm just a first-year drama student trying to pay the bills, so fuck off. Anyway. Yeah. And then... Um, Long story short, I shouldn't have just been terrified of the parents because the kids did not give a shit and there were some older kids there, 13 or 14, and they basically they followed me to the car park and pretty much beat me up. They were, like, <laughs> punching my legs and trying to steal my stereo out of my hands and stuff. It was a nightmarish experience and I got to the car and I took off the suit and I sat there for about half an hour just trying to decompress and as I drove away from the car park, which I was parked about 100 metres away, They'd been waiting on the playground out the back and they were all waving, yelling, bye, Santa. <laughs> it was a real nightmare. Oh, my God. Don't worry. Those kids are all in jail. <laughs> <laughs> or dead. Wow, that does sound bad. You, you, I'm imagining you can top that, though, Jess. What have you got? No, I've got, well, I mean, uh, so the question is weird, yeah. right? I've had lots of weird stuff in call centres and stuff like that, but. I don't, I can't really think of anything off the top of my head. This is what's hard about these. Some people give us fantastic questions that if I had time to think about, I might have good answers. But sometimes when it's just like, here's a great question, I'm like, ah, I can't think of anything particularly weird that's happened. Obviously, I've had odd customers, but I don't think they're really story worthy. I can't even think of anyone that was weird now. Is the guy from your bit about at working at Bonds? The helicopter guy, is that real? <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's weird. Um, yeah, <laughs> that was weird. <laughs> uh, I was, <laughs> um, when I used to work in a in a big shopping centre, there was an Apple store um, across from us and whenever they would release a new iPhone, people would like camp out in the shopping centre for the night before and like line up. And so one time a guy came in um, and... Uh, he said he was like a really rough looking guy and he came up and he said, excuse me. And I was like, yep, how can I help? And he goes, what the fuck is going on out there? <laughs> <laughs> and, I, and I went, 
oh, um, yeah, no, people are lining up because a new iPhone comes out tomorrow. And he went, oh, <laughs> that's fucked. <laughs> and I went, yeah, yeah, it is a bit odd, isn't it? And he went, yeah. Anyway, are you guys hiring? <laughs> and at the time I was like a, I wasn't a manager or anything. I was like a three IC, which is not a real position. But basically when the manager and assistant manager were out, I was in charge. And I was in charge at the time. And um, I, I made an executive decision to just say, no, we're not actually. <laughs> Sorry. I'm the three IC of this pod. Well, actually, I think I, t- I, I, think I told him to. <laughs> I think I told him to apply online. Oh. I was like, yeah, that's all online now. Yeah. Is that guy the CEO of Bonds? This by now? I hope so. That's, That's fucked, fucked eh? <laughs> anyway, and he was just like casually leaning on some of our um, products and stuff. He was like, yeah, cool. And I was like, what are you doing? That's fucked. Can I have a job? <laughs> so, yeah, that was a bit weird. Thank you for remembering that for me, Matt. <laughs> no I really worries. appreciate Great it. Great work, Matt. I should. I really should have some weird stuff. And I, I'm just like you, Bob, and I'm just not. The one that's come to mind isn't that weird, maybe. I was back, way back in the day, I was working as a trolley boy at a supermarket and I'm pushing trolleys out on a Saturday and apparently this group of um, group of guys came into the bottle shop and all had jumpers over their hands and just each grabbed um, bottles of spirits <laughs> under the jumpers and just walked out. And uh, the manager of the store made a bit of an error here because he just he put together a, a group of supermarket workers to follow after them and on the way through he grabbed me as well so we all followed this 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 gang (laughs) gang is strong but you know group of guys uh off the supermarket property around into an alleyway where they met you're you're not allowed to do that it was he made such a bad it was obviously such a bad decision (laughs) and then um when so there was like five or so of these guys, they got around the corner, met a van of more guys. So we're there's like seven of us. We've come around. We're absolutely outnumbered, and we're all you know minimum wage workers at a supermarket. <laughs> uh, and then yeah, and, and one of the guys, no steak. One of the guys in this group pulls out a knife and he goes back the fuck up. Fuck. And then the the store manager. Who was? I think he was a fill-in store manager. He later on, he on his face was like, "Well, I fucked up so badly then." But he was like, "We're gonna go." I just get took these a bunch back. of young kids around to an alleyway to get murdered. So yeah, he pulls out. This guy pulls out an knife and he goes, "Get back on the other side of that fucking road." So he's pushing us all back, and the manager's like, "All right, I've realised that we're probably not getting the bottles back now." He's saying, "All right, we're going, we're going." One of the guys from the supermarket was standing up, and this. Uh, sort of the, I guess the alpha guy of this group comes up to him and he just punches him in the face. The, the manager? No, not what? the manager. The one, of the other, one of the other guys. He just punched him right in the mouth. And, oh. and the manager's going, hey, we're going, we're going. So we're backing away. And then we turn around. And then I think it was the littlest guy of the, the, the thieves group ran up and s- clocked me in the side of the <laughs> clocked me in the side of the head. Uh, I guess, you know, to be being uh, a pretty tough manoeuvre, he picked out the smallest guy. I was like 16 or something. What the fuck? Well, this isn't is that a w- crazy story. And it's a weird story, isn't it? Does that yeah. fit the... And were you injured? Uh, I, had a, I had headaches for a few days, but, yeah, I think I, re- I recovered okay. 
are you on work cover because that manager fucking made you do that? That manager fucked up so bad. That's so bad. You're not supposed yeah. to, you're not allowed to like follow them out of the store. If you think someone's stolen something you and they've left, you, like you're fucked. Yeah, it's gone, it's gone. But you don't take a pack of kids to an alleyway where there's a van of more people waiting. One of them, two of them get punched. Tell me that guy got fired immediately. No, he didn't. I think he could because none of, I mean, I imagine it would have been bad for him if any of us took it further. But I, just, I got the next day off work and then, I, you know, I never brought it up again. I think everyone just sort of, if anyone made a big deal out of it, so there was they no, probably would have. no police involvement after that? Oh, uh, no, the cops came down. Yeah, the cops did come, actually. So I had That's to give a statement and stuff. Fucked. So the other guy that got punched in the face, he was a young a young kid Yeah, he well. would have been like 18 or something. So imagine him going home and he's got blood all over his face and his parents are like, what happened at your shift at the supermarket? Yeah. And he said, oh, I got punched. That is... Matt, why have we never heard that story before? That is wild. Wow. I don't know. Uh, yeah, I guess that, yeah, it is, it is a bit of a wild story. But um, <laughs> it just keeps getting crazier, that one, to be honest. Yeah. <laughs> I'm trying I to hope, think. I hope that answers the question. Yeah, hopefully that, <laughs> that, that covers what you're after there, Nick. <laughs> uh, the other, I'm trying to think of other ones. I, yeah. I, wow. But uh, if that one does the job, then we'll take it. All right, thank you, Nick, for that question. Uh, the next one comes from Michael DeRizzi. DeRizzi. He's given us the pronunciation there. D Michael DeRizzi. Uh, and he's given us a fact. Love but, a fact. Sorry, his his title is definitely not a virgin. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it sounds like something a virgin would say. You say that really quickly. No, no, no. Uh, not a virgin. Not, definitely not a virgin. Uh, Michael, no one brought that up, so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Now it sounds like you definitely are a virgin. Well, I wonder if this fact is going to make him seem like he needed to be de- pre-defensive. <laughs> That's funny. A pre-fensive. So he's given us a fact, and the fact is my 14-year-old dog, Tweener, it's a fun name for a dog, was having some trouble walking recently. The vet found that he had an enlarged prostate and that getting him neutered could help him save uh, could help save him from the rainbow bridge. It did. It's like he's a puppy again. You could say that he was suffering from toxic masculinity. <laughs> <laughs> Is the rainbow bridge a euphemism for heaven? Yeah. Yeah, yeah well, I haven't heard that before. Neither have I, but all good things. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, all good That's things. True. And if, I mean, the Rainbow Bridge doesn't sound all that bad. No. That sounds quite nice. I quite like rainbows. It's got lots of colours. Thank you so much for that fact, Michael D. Rizzi. That's great and news about Tweener. That is great news. And what a great, I've never heard tweener. that as a dog name before. Tweener. Hey, Tweener. <laughs> Tweener's great. The next one comes from Roy Phillips, whose title is the now senior junior from the band Junior Senior. (laughs) Uh, And he's offered us a fact. And the fact is, yellow tennis balls were the idea of David Attenborough when he was the controller of BBC Two as he thought they would look better on TV. Before that, they were either black or white. What? Roy, are you fucking with us? (laughs) Don't. Roy, you better not be fucking with Because if not, that's really amazing. That is an amazing fact. Oh, I've never heard that before. And we did a David Attenborough episode. Did we mention it on there? We prob- It'd be embarrassing if we did. Yeah. But, I mean, 
Famously, we don't retain much. I say we, it's mostly me. Oh my god, it's definitely it's definitely been yeah, apparently it comes up on a lot of a lot of websites. Love it. Great fact. Thank you so much. I'm going to be wow. bringing that one out, I reckon. That's a great fact. Holy shit. How have I not heard that before? Amazing fact. Can you read it again? Yellow tennis balls were the idea of David Attenborough when he was the controller of BBC2, as he thought they would look better on TV. Before that, they were either black or white. Black or white? Mm, and they probably would have been black and white broadcast, right? So it wouldn't Yeah, exactly, have yeah. Fascinating. Uh, maybe we did mention it. Oh, now I'll go back and listen. Well, we'll never know. We'll never know. Oh, well, that's wild. What a great fact. Great fact, mate. Great fact. Oh, this has been this has been a very successful round of fat quote or question. Oh yes, loving all of these. Uh, and finally, the final fat quote or question this week comes from Daniel Headley, who has given himself the title of resident dickhead of Do Go On. Oh, okay, <laughs> excuse me. And excuse me. <laughs> Sounds like you and I have been usurped, Jess. Oh, uh, you're the resident dickhead. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. 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 Oh, okay. I see. All right, Daniel. Well. Welcome. He's sort of he's come in and he, you know, in in, in a jail scene, you shiv the biggest guy. Yeah, yeah. In this he's scene, out dickheaded the biggest dickhead. <laughs> you out dickhead, and he's done that. <laughs> he's done uh, that. I think. I mean, just calling yourself that is such a dickhead move. So he's really proved himself early. Yeah, he's done it. He's living up to the name. Let's hope his question really uh, cements his position. And the question, oh, it has. <laughs> it cemented him. <laughs> his question is. How much wood would a woodchuck chuck if a woodchuck could chuck wood exactly? What a dickhead question. <laughs> what an absolute well dickhead done, question. Well Daniel, you dickhead. You massive dickhead. <laughs> oh, wow. Because here we were, Matt. Weren't we being a bit defensive? Yeah. No, we didn't even give himself a chance to shiv the biggest dickheads in the prison. He's proven himself. And, oh, boy, did he out-dickhead us. I'm, I, I mean, a woodchuck is... I'm, I imagine if it's a real animal, it's like a beaver or something. Is that right? Is a woodchuck a, or is a woodchuck a job? Them. Woodchuck. Oh. In my head, no, I always sort a... of pictured a, a... Oh, it's a groundhog. Yeah, okay. So, yeah, they're kind of beaverish looking. I don't reckon they can chuck a lot of wood at all. I'm saying... A, I'm going to say 11. 11? I'm going to say three twigs. Oh, wow. Ooh, okay. Dave? I'm going to say four logs. Whoa, okay. How big are these logs? Oh, small logs. Jeez, settle down. <laughs> like as in firewood kind of size. Yeah, like pre, they're already been pre-chucked, to be honest. Pre-chucked wood. <laughs> but they just chuck it a little bit more. Yeah, they do. In, just to feel like they did something. Yeah, to be honest, they take all the glory, these little woodchucks, little fuckers. Yeah, yeah. Little dickheads. <laughs> Apparently it's uh, the etymology of the name woodchuck is unrelated to wood or chucking. It stem. this is from Wikipedia, it stems from an... Algonquian, possibly Narragansett name for the animal Wuchak. Wuchak. Oh. So it's like a, it's just the the original older name for them. It's sort of morphed out of that, I think. And it's been anglicized to Wuchak. There you go. The more is how I read you it. You know. Yeah, that's cool. That's a great fact. I mean, you didn't give us that fact. You got we got there via your dickhead question, Daniel. <laughs> <laughs> I hope you're okay with us leaning into this dickhead thing. Uh, but I mean, you did, you did. You started it. You started so. it. 
you started it, so fair enough. So we'll finish it. But I, actually, Jess, I kind of think we're being dickheads to him now. So Yeah, but he started it. Dad. <laughs> Thank you so much, Daniel, Roy, Michael, and Nick. Fantastic fact quotes or questions. And if you want to get involved in that, you can go to patreon.com slash pod. Get involved in there on the uh, Sydney Scheinberg Lux Memorial level. And, uh, yeah, for all those people that we've read them out, it's time for you to put another one in. You get to uh, keep giving them. Every time you have one read out on the show, go back to that form, give us another one and go again. Do it again. And that goes for the people of recent weeks because I reckon there's a few people who haven't filled one in lately. Get on it if you want to, no pressure. Uh, And that takes us to our other shout-out, Patreon's shout-out. Section. Jess normally comes up with a bit of a game. This is for members on the shout-out level or above. I think the shout-out level is the DB Cooper level. Associate producer, Arsprod. Oh, Arsprod. It's on the Arsprod. Is that right? I think yep. that might... Yeah, no. I think that's the voting level, to be honest. It's clearly written out on their website if people check it out. I'm on there now. It's the Arsprod. Get on there. Damn it. <laughs> See? Maybe, Daniel, I am the real head dickhead. <laughs> um, I think you'll find. <laughs> I was about to tweet you that, Jess, so <laughs> glad they came in. I actually, really I did it, I did it. <laughs> no one ever believes me. Uh, it's only because we ask every time because we can never remember that I think we've checked enough times that now I'm like, no, it's not DB Cooper. Okay. So anyway, between but on the DB week. Cooper level, you that's the maybe anyway, it doesn't matter. It's explained on the website. If you go to patreon.com yes. slash do go on pod. DB Cooper is bonus apps. Right. So we will thank a few of you on the on that level and above now. And Jess normally comes up with a little game. We give everyone a title or some some sort of a thing. What are we doing? I'm this thinking week? two jobs that they combine. Oh, oh great. great. Because she was a nurse and a pilot. Coming a nurse they can pilot. Have the two nurse. jobs, flying nurse. It doesn't have to. Well, yeah, no, nah, two jobs they combine. Yep. All right, great. Well, if I can kick it off, please. I'd love to thank from Inverloch in Victoria, Australia, uh, which is fifty-eight acres big. No, fifty-eight <laughs> million. Fifty-eight million acres big. Geez, that's a big difference. I'd love to thank Tim Bowler. Tim Bowler. Hello, okay. Tim. Dave, do you want to do a one-two? I'll do one and you hit me with another one. Okay. So Tim is a postie. He's also a professional darts player. Yes, so he delivers the mail. (laughs) But he, like, like throws the mail and then throws a dart afterwards and it pins to the door. Oh, that's That's awesome. So it never gets wet. (laughs) Yeah. Because I I assume your door is under some sort of shelf. Some sort of awning. You're a fool if not. Um, Get put an awning above your door. He's ruined. You he's ruined many packages this way, but letters, letters, they look cool. Even yeah, people are getting like a birthday cake sent to him. <laughs> There's just a hole with a dart in it. He ruined my it's last. A, it's a... Ruined my last laptop. Thanks a lot, Tim. <laughs> <laughs> uh, turns out it wasn't. Um, people weren't putting needles in strawberries. Tim was just trying to deliver them. <laughs> Absolutely ruined my last pouch of custard I ordered. <laughs> Pouch. <laughs> you ordered a custard pouch. I ordered custard by the pouch. How do you get it? Of course. By the uh, Thank you so much, Tim. Uh, I'd also love to thank from West Babylon in New York. Wow, that United sounds cool. States, Teresa Ducino. All right, Matt. 
Yeah, right. yeah now I'll, you two do a one-two. All right. Uh, Teresa is a, a factory working... <laughs> that's, that's, that's it. Um, dog catcher. Factory working dog catcher. She catches the dogs in the vac- factories. Yes. Right. That's right. If, if a dog is loose in your factory, Teresa's who you call. Yeah. She knows her way around factories, how they work. Yeah, she's and she a sort of way around dogs. She works as a mechanic in the factory, sort of a mechanical engineer. She keeps everything uh, working in the factory, and then she actually designed a uh, like a conveyor belt um, for catching dogs. So at the at the front of the conveyor belt, it's got a dog treat. <laughs> so it's like a decoy one. She she's built the whole factory, uh, and. But there she's built one extra one for catching dogs because there's a dog issue in this factory. <laughs> yeah. I don't know what it wow. is about West Babylon factories. Is it a dog food factory? Dogs. Hey, Jess, what does this factory make? They make dog food. <laughs> that's why, they, well, that's that's why there's dogs confusing. there. So one of the conveyor belts has got dog food <laughs> on it to entice dogs and the other ones just have dog food on them. Oh, wow, what a nightmare. But she somehow Teresa's built it in a way that it works. Mm. <laughs> what a nightmare. All right, and uh, my final shout-out this week is for from Norwich in Norfolk, home of uh, pa- uh, part- Partridge. Aha! Aha. <laughs> I'd love to thank Benjamin A.E. Philby. Oh, great name. Double, double middle initial. Okay, Jess, uh, Benjamin is a DJ slash... Barista. <laughs> oh, that's cool. <laughs> that's a classic combo. He keeps yeah, exactly. I mean, there's room around here. <laughs> but also, you know, like people are out clubbing, they're loving his remixes, but also a little bit tired. Yeah, right. They're like, oh boy, I don't know how much more of this I can handle. I'm getting very tired. And he's like, hey, do you want to hang out a little more? I'll make you a double espresso. Oh, nice. That sounds nice. I wonder if let he knows. Just, Alan let Partridge. me just change the track here. All right, now I'm ready to go. And then also the the frothing of the milk um, actually kind of adds to the atmosphere. Right. That's Very sick. cool. And, yeah, he, he remixes that frothing sound that it makes. Yes. Into yeah. some, to a, the big sick drop. Wait till the the froth drops. All right. <laughs> it's been a while since I've been to a club. <laughs> uh, so they're my three shout-outs. Do you want to have a go, Jess or Dave? I'll have a go. I'd love to thank from Ipswich in Great Britain, uh, Elizabeth Harris. Okay, okay. Elizabeth Harris. Uh, all right. Elizabeth Harris. Jeez, I hope my brain came up with factory worker last time. <laughs> yeah, oh. come on. It could be anything in the world. And I went, um, all right, I'm going to think of something amazing. All right. Uh, gyrocopter pilot. And bank teller. <laughs> she drops off your money for you. Yeah, that's right. Money delivery. That's what banks People are like, working towards. I'd like now. to withdraw three hundred bucks. She's like, go home. I'll be there in fifteen minutes. And then they just look up and it's just hovering above the house. They're like, I could just take it now. Be like, no, no, it's part of the service. Go home. What's a gyrocopter? Uh, I think it's one where I, I I know it from Ducktales. I think there's a character called Gyro, and he flies a. Have I made up gyrocopter? Gyro. I don't know, but it sounds fun. I think it's just like a it's a helicopter that never quite um 
I don't think they got as popular. Right, Auto okay. gyro. Yeah, they're like little one-man-looking helicopter things. Oh, cool. Well, that's all you need for delivering money. It's a type of rotocraft that uses an up, unpowered rotor in free auto auto rotation to develop lift. Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, um, Sorry, I feel a bit stupid for asking, yeah. actually. That's so obvious. But they're cool-looking oh, things. Oh, James Bond used one in You Only Live Twice. Very cool. Ah, okay. Okay. And so that's what Elizabeth's using to deliver cash. Yeah, that's right. She bought Sean Connery's cold one. She, like, throws it out and so, like, the money flutters everywhere. It looks very cool but it's actually quite impractical. And people are like, hey, that's my money. Yeah. Although, actually, maybe it's, like, super wealthy people order it to be showered in money. Ah. Like, like she turns up at their very fancy party they're having, a garden party, then, like, maybe not a garden party, maybe it's, like, a rave, and then she just drops money and everyone's like, woo! Maybe it's like that. I reckon it's exactly like that. Me too. So thank you, Elizabeth. (laughs) And I'd also love to thank from Copenhagen, I'd love to thank Fabian Peterson. Oh, Fabian Peterson is a really great name. And uh, Fabian is in makeup manufacturing. And watch repairs. Oh, nice. I just looked at my desk and uh, my watch was sitting there. Watch repair shops are already people, they are one of those um, shops that do so many different unrelated (laughs) things. They'll cut a key. They'll fix your boots. <laughs> yeah, resole <laughs> your shoes. They'll um, put batteries in anything. Yeah. Yeah. So, I, you know, we say combining two jobs, but really Fabian's doing like eight. And one of them is makeup. Is he manufacturing the makeup? Yeah. Yeah. Right. I've gone cool. back to manufacturing. Okay. <laughs> well, I don't know why my head's in manufacturing today, but. Well, Fabian, you're leading the way. You've added a new industry to your already bustling industry. Oh, wow. We can do absolutely anything. Fabian, congratulations. And also I'd love to thank, finally, from Denver, Colorado, I'd love to thank Scott Robinson. Okay, Scott is an Elvis impersonator and... Uh, nugget, gold nugget explorer. <laughs> Well, at least it wasn't manufacturing. <laughs> gold, got nug, nuggets, explore. So, yes, is he Elvis who pans for gold? Yeah, gold panning Elvis. Yeah, he's a you local kook from the community. <laughs> he's a local kook. But the thing is that, like, he's very successful as well. He's found millions of dollars of gold over the years, so you can't really be like, well, yeah. can't argue with success. Yeah, he's doing it. Yeah, no, he's not a kook. Then he's uh, eccentric. Yeah. On your Scott in Denver, you go Colorado. from weird to everyone knows you go weird, from weird to eccentric if you went once you become rich. All right, I'd like to take us home now with uh, a few more names, and I'd like to thank first of all from Finden, South Australia, Karen Gaidu. Karen Gaidu. Wow, Karen. Okay, okay. Uh, uh, chicken flyer, and she sells salt lamps. <laughs> Okay. What's it? Now, Again, not... I am looking around my room a bit. Yeah, and I, I, had, a, I had a Wikipedia Sorry. page open for Gyro Gear Loose, <laughs> the character from DuckTales, <laughs> and it uh, turns out he's a chicken. So, so you... Sorry, Karen, we've not really nailed it for you. No, but, that's, um, that's a mess. It's not all gold. It's not Do you all mind if a I... gold panning Elvis, yeah. is it? Yeah, gold panning Elvis was great. Yeah. Um, let's try again. Let's try yeah, again. Let's, let's, let's go try one again. more time. All right. Okay, right, I'm going right. to get my head out of manufacturing. All right, Karen is... She's a lift operator. And florist. <laughs> That's oh, good. Great. That's a good comment. So, like, 
big um, flower installations for events. Yep. She's got to use a scissor lift to get them up. And she, she doesn't be. have to get someone in to do that. She can do it herself. She can do it all herself. Which so that's why she's money. the best in the biz because people are like, oh, wait, I don't have to pay you extra to hire someone. You can do it all? Wow, Karen. Wow. Wow. That's what they say. <sighs> Nailed it. <laughs> Nailed it, Karen. <laughs> I would like to thank now from uh, St. Louis, Missouri, or Missouri, Christopher Lauschke. Christopher Lauschke, that's great. Jet ski you had rider. Some good names. Oh, oh, okay. jet ski rider and uh, barber who specialises only in beard work. Okay. So if you're out, okay. Oh no, I just thought hairdresser, but then I thought let's just try and make this a little bit more specific. Okay. Love that. Love a specialty. Yeah. So, so, uh, sorry, it was jet ski. I said jet ski rider, like that's a job, but <laughs> jet ski delivery yeah, but person. He'll, like. Yes, and he'll deliver himself to cut yeah. your beards. Yeah. But you have to live obviously on the ocean or be at sea for him to come to you. <laughs> or Venice. To, to be at sea. <laughs> you must be at sea for my services. Well, he's, to be honest, he's been a bit, he's been all at sea lately, but in a good way. Means he's got a lot of work. That's what right. on, Christopher? On you, Christopher. And finally, I would like to thank from Oakdale, Minnesota. Actually, Dave, just quickly, isn't. Missouri, that's a that's got heaps of lakes. So that makes sense. Yeah, I guess so. Dave, you did, you did it. it, mate. Because you can you can ride a jet ski from one lake to another. Yes, you just jump. Yeah, how hard can it be? If they've got heaps, they, sh- they can't be one that far if away. It's, I've seen the first two seasons of the of the Ozarks, and if that is factual, there's eight lakes everywhere. They get around on boats and stuff. So, and hopefully jet skis and jet skis. Yep. Obviously, yes. But I would like to thank from Oakdale, Minnesota, Tim Kaiser. Oh, kick it with the Kaiser. Uh, he's a chili pop pepper. Uh, he, he's competitive chili, hot chili eater. Okay. And uh, he also services uh, vending machines. <laughs> Does both. Yeah, he's doing them all. That's good. Doing them all. Which means access to snacks at all times. Oh, what a dream. Love that. Love snacks. That's a dream. So he's always training. He's training and also a world champion in the chili eating. Yeah. Wow. And you, there's big money in obviously chili eating too. So he's like he's doing very well. But really it's it's vending machines. It's his passion. Yeah, that's just, yeah, that's a side gig just for fun and also for snacks. Yeah, exactly. Oh, man, that's a good job. That's a good job. That's a fun job. Snacks. Do you think they keep like pretty, uh, pretty detailed inventory of <laughs> the snacks or? Nah, I don't reckon. Nah. I mean, you can't count count cans of soft drink, surely. Too hard. Too many. Too many. Ugh. No one yeah. is uh, in the Triptych Club again this week. It looks like there might be some members uh, inducted next week, though. Do Do you still want to give a quick? Uh, because there's obviously still plenty of people in there from oh, previous yeah, week. Yeah. Do you want to give us some hors d'oeuvres, cocktail, and a and the band that's performing this week? Yep. So um, this week, snack wise. We're having aeroplane jelly. Oh, I love it. Yes. Oh, aeroplane <laughs> jelly's for me. Served in little uh, aeroplane-shaped spoons and you get fed by a, a an older woman who says, here comes aeroplane. And you go, honestly, this theme's going a bit far. Don't you think I'm an adult I can feed myself? <laughs> I'm loving it. And she says, I'm so sorry. I've been paid to be here and if I don't do it, Jess will yell at me. Please just Jess, have you been reading just my dream diary? Indulge me. 
Is it why are you dreaming of me yelling at you? <laughs> after <laughs> after feeding me aeroplane jelly with an aeroplane spoon. Um cocktail wise, uh we've got um uh Cosmos. Oh, yum. There's a pink one from Sex and the City. That's right. A classic. Vodka, cranberry, delicious. And Dave? And well, as for musical acts, we've actually got someone who featured on last week's Woodstock episode. We've got Carlos Santana himself featuring <gasps> Rob Thomas. Oh, yes. wow. That's Can awesome. you believe it? Awesome. It's a hot one. <laughs> That's right. And they're just playing that song smooth over oh. and over oh. and over again. I think maybe my top 10 least favorite songs of all time. But I keep requesting Matchbox 20 songs and Rob refuses. <laughs> Santana played I'm Black like, Magic you've changed, Woman. Rob. No, we're sticking with smooth. <laughs> well, this, this this gig is smooth. Sh- oh no! Stop, Dave. Could I request that the band uh, also back uh, backing? They're backing the band. Uh, I think you mentioned briefly last week. They also played at Woodstock. And they're a very influential band. The band with a great name. Wow! There you go. Uh, okay, so uh, take a load off Benny. Take a load for free. Take a load off Benny. Put your load right on, put your load right on, put your load right on me. Is that the band? But they will not be playing that song. They will be playing <laughs> smooth. <laughs> oh, they're, they're also playing smooth. Honestly, without new inductees, we've made this week at the uh, the lounge an awful place to yeah. be. Sorry, sorry about that. You're being force fed by an old woman and there's only one there, song honestly. playing. All right. Well, that brings us to the end of the episode. What a fun time we've had in the Patreon lounge this week. Uh, if you want to get involved, go to patreon.com slash pod. Uh, thanks for listening all the way through. There is no pressure. If you've been listening and hating it, then next week, please stop at the end of the report. There is no pressure at all. <laughs> uh, Dave, where can people find us? I think you can find us on our social medias at pod on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. But there's links to everything at dogoonpod.com. And if you... Uh, Craving more podcasting content, Dave does a great book podcast called Book Cheat. Uh, it's Love the World Over. He takes a classic book and he breaks it down for you with a couple of funny and fun guests, and it's a real good time. The most recent ones have been about To Kill a Mockingbird. That's right. And uh, well, this just this week, just yesterday, I put out a new one on King Lear, a bit of Shakespeare, the one that nice. everyone in the when isolation first started, was saying, "Well, he wrote that in uh, in isolation during the plague," which is only half true. But anyway, still, listen to King Lear. Uh, I've also brought primates back for a little limited run, where Evan and I are going through the Umbrella Academy episode by episode. We're doing two of those a week. They're a bit shorter episodes, and um, yeah, that's been a lot of fun. We're gonna do that, and then probably go into season two as well. And uh, listen now, we're still doing the uh, most popularly voted for 80s rock albums. Uh, the most recent one is about, uh, well, a couple of, the one one back was uh, Nine Inch Nails' debut album, and then the most recent one, well, actually the one that will be, we just recorded, but it's coming out next week, is about Dire Straits, their album Brothers in Arms. And then the one after that is one of Dave's favourite bands, so I'm going to ask him to be involved. Okay, I wonder which one that's going to be, but we'll find out when you all find out because he hasn't mentioned this to me before. (laughs) Anyway, I think that brings us pretty much to the end of the episode. Follow Jess on Instagram. She's trying to get to that 10,000 follower mark. (laughs) 
I really am. Just fucking do it. If you don't have Instagram, just make one and follow me and then, I don't know, delete the app. I don't know. That's annoying. Everyone listening right now, follow Jess on Instagram. She'd smash that thing. But a few of you are listening going, no, fuck Jess Perkins. She doesn't (laughs) deserve that. I don't know what I did to deserve that because I'm an absolute fucking delight. (laughs) Just follow her on Instagram. Oh, I don't have Instagram. Well, get Instagram. Get it. Come on. It's good. Okay. Fuck! Jeez. Honestly. You don't like giving joy? What's wrong with you? Nah, good you on suck. you. You suck. You suck. Follow me. <laughs> and if you uh, had fallen asleep listening to this episode and just got woken up by that, welcome back. And uh, <laughs> get up, go for a walk, do something with these newfound hours. We've given you a gift. <laughs> You're welcome. But we'll see you next week. It's been a pleasure. And uh, as we always say here on Do Go On Jess. You get the eye like aeroplane jelly. Every week. Bye. Bye. This podcast is part of the Planet Broadcasting Network. Visit planetbroadcasting.com for more podcasts from our great mates. I mean, if you want. It's up to you. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.